Mountain. Hi, Joni. Hi, listeners. Welcome back to the Catholic Traveler podcast, the podcast that brings you daily to the Station Churches of Rome for Lent. And today is the hour. Today is Good Friday, and we are at the end of our pilgrimage. Yeah, this is our last Station Church. Yeah. So we will we will continue to podcast, but this is our last Station Church. And we decided to end here because there are more Station Churches for Holy Saturday, for Easter, and Easter week, but we just felt like this is a good place to end. Yes. So where are we today at good, on Good Friday? Today we are back at Santa Croce in Jerusalem, so Holy Cross in Jerusalem. So we were here a few weeks ago. This is where we celebrated Laetare Sunday. Uh, this is where the rose vestments came from that people love or love to hate if you don't like pink. Um, so that's where that's what we talked about on that day. We didn't really talk about what's inside the church. So that's what we're going to cover today because it's very fitting for today. And it's the reason why I think we said earlier, I'm really shocked that more people aren't at this church. If you visit this church on just kind of a normal day, you will likely find it empty. There may be a few other people, but um, today it, it won't be empty. There will be people visiting, but for the most part, this is kind of an unknown jewel in Rome and it is a fantastic place to go and meditate on the passion because it's quiet and the relics of the passion are here in this church. Right. So I guess to talk about the relics and even the name of the church, we should go back to the time of the crucifixion because we know that Christ was crucified on a hill. There was a guy on either side of him, the good thief and the bad thief. And usually the Romans, they we've said this many times as we were talking about martyrs, they knew what they were doing with torture and killing people. They knew how to make people suffer. They knew how to make a scene with things like this. And so with crucifixions, they would usually leave the people they crucified on a cross until they died. And then even after they died, they would keep them up there as kind of a warning to other people that if you get out of line, this is what's going to happen to you. But with Christ, he died or they crucified him on Passover. So the Jews' holiest feast day, the biggest celebration, and they didn't really want to anger the local community so much. So that's why they broke the legs of the other two guys. Christ was already dead. And they let people take the bodies down off the cross instead of leaving them hanging so they wouldn't be facing Jerusalem on Passover. Um, that's why Joseph of Arimathea was able to get the body of Christ and burying him in his nearby tomb. And so what happened was they buried Christ in the tomb. And it's very close to the spot of the crucifixion. If you've ever been to the Holy Sepulchre, you know this, but if you haven't, it's in the same church. Like that's how close these two places are, Calvary Hill and the Holy Sepulchre, it's, or the, the tomb. It's, it's close enough that they could build a building over both spots. Um, and so when they, when they took them off the cross, they got rid of the instruments of the passions, so like the crown of thorns, the nails, the crosses. They basically just threw them into a ditch, maybe buried them or something. Um, but right away, the followers of Christ wanted to visit this empty tomb. And so they would make pilgrimage to this spot that angered the pagans. They didn't really like this. So the emperor built a giant temple over the spot of the crucifixion and the tomb. And what that did- We 
kind of like when they do that. Yeah, that's it helps us out. <laughs> they did it in Bethlehem too. <laughs> yeah. So what that did was it kept people away from the spot, but it also marked the location of the crucifixion and the empty tomb. So fast forward a few hundred years, Constantine legalizes Christianity. His mother, Queen Helena, decides she wants to find the true cross. So she makes her own pilgrimage to Jerusalem. She finds this temple, has it destroyed, excavates below, and ends up finding three crosses, crown of thorns, the nails, and even the titulus or the title that hung above the cross. So not only did the emperor mark the location, but by building this giant temple over that spot, he also helped preserve everything underneath. I mean, of course, God could have done that on his own, but I like to give that emperor a little credit because that wasn't his intention. So it's like, see what you did? So yeah, I like it. The wood from the cross, you know, 300 years, if it was sitting in dirt exposed to the elements, it probably could have deteriorated. Um, but she found the three crosses. And while it's nice to maybe have the good thief's cross, nobody really cares to have the bad thief. So there's the story that she went around Jerusalem looking for people who were sick, and she would touch the pieces of wood to the different people. And they found that one cross did nothing, one would heal people, and one actually raised a woman from the dead. And so that's how they determined which cross belonged to which, which person. And so when she returned to Rome, she brought with her these relics. But she also brought a bunch of dirt with her. And that dirt she used as the foundation for the palace. She kind of took over a palace that was already in Rome, made it her own. But she used that dirt as the foundation. And so that's why we call this church that we're visiting today that's built over her home, Holy Cross, in Jerusalem. Because when we go into this church, we're actually walking on ground from Jerusalem. Um, and in this church, we find... Four large pieces of Christ's cross, um, a, the cross beam section of the good thief's cross, one of the nails from the crucifixion, two of the thorns from the crown of thorns, part of that INRI that hung above the cross. Um, and then they also have a little reliquary of dirt from Bethlehem and dirt from Jerusalem. And then much later, they brought over the finger of Doubting Thomas. So he was originally buried in India, but they kind of wanted to complete the collection. And so they brought his finger here. And it's also a good reminder that, you know, this is someone who saw Christ after he rose from the dead. He still had his doubts. Here we are staring at relics of the passion. Maybe you don't 100% believe everything, but here's a saint that saw Christ after he rose from the dead and he had his own doubts. I love the story of Doubting Thomas because number one, all the apostles doubted, if you think about it. I mean, we give... Thomas a bad rap for it, but all the apostles were like, they needed to see Jesus to believe, right? Um, but Thomas is told to touch Christ, and it's a good reminder to us, first of all, the intimacy of the apostles with Christ. Like, you have to be pretty good friends with somebody for them to be like, here, put your hand on, like, it, it's yeah. a very intimate thing, right? So they knew Jesus, they loved Jesus, they were close, and then also that, that Christ wasn't a ghost. You know, his body had um, resurrected body properties, like he passed through walls, and I think it would be tempting for us to be like, okay, well, it's not really Jesus. It's like this ghost of Jesus. And that's why he has Thomas touch him. That's why he eats in their presence to remind us that the resurrection isn't just some spiritual experience of the apostles, but that Christ really rose from the dead. And that makes all the difference. But I love, I love the fact that they put Thomas's finger with all the other relics. Cause you're absolutely right. Like we all are doubting Thomas's at some point and we need his intercession and we need his reminder. Yeah. So the, the relics are off kind of to this in a side chapel. 
Um, and it, it mimics, it's obviously a modern um, chapel. It's from the early 1900s, but it mimics the way it probably looked with Helen. Um, and so you ascend up into the chapel, which I really, I really love. It's like you're on your own way of the cross. Right. And that's actually where they have their stations in this church. They have the stations of the cross and their steps, as you say, that you go up. But there's also three landings on the way up to remind us of the three times that Christ fell carrying the cross. So they built their stations kind of into the architecture. So that's a nice experience as well. Yeah, it's it's an incredible. There's also a, um, a replica of the shroud nearby. So you, it's really a chance to meditate on the passion and to realize what Christ did for us. And, um, you know, I went with a friend one time and, you know, you can become kind of jaded in Rome. You see so much and it's just overwhelming and it's just like one thing after the other. But I remember her just kind of falling on her knees in front of the relics of the passion and just saying, like, it's real, like, it's all really real. And he did this for us. And, you know, not everybody can go to the Holy Land. If you can, you should go. I mean, it's an incredible experience. But like you said earlier, Mountain, you know, there the places are there and it's amazing. But to think that you can also go to Rome and see the things that Helen brought back um, and just meditate on the passion in the in the presence of the wood that bore our Savior it's it's just I'm speechless. Yeah, and the chapel, I didn't even mention this. So the chapel, when you're in there, you're almost always alone because we mentioned nobody goes to this church. And the relics are not far from you. You can walk right up to the glass. You, you're literally like maybe three inches from the wood of the cross. I mean, you can't touch it. It's behind glass, but they're right there. So you can get up close. You can examine it. You can see how big the nail is. I mean, these aren't little nails you get at Home Depot or something. <laughs> These are like yeah. railroad ties almost, because remember, yeah. they had to be big enough to go through a grown man's feet or his wrists and into the wood and support all that weight. So these are big nails. So I think that surprises a lot of people to see that. Yeah. And the thorns, the thorns they're yeah. a couple inches long. Um, yeah. It comes from a certain type of tree in Jerusalem, which you can still see when you visit Jerusalem today. Um, so they're not little thorns like in a rose bush. They're a couple inches long. Um, so you can actually get close enough to see what they look like. And it's it's very powerful. And even the the titulus, the title, um, you can read the words on it. It's only a piece of it, so you don't have the whole thing. But you can make out like the Nazarene, or I think that's what you mm-hmm. part of that word, yeah. Um, yeah. in three different languages. And that's how close you are to these relics. And the, the good thief's crossbeam, you can see like how big of a piece of wood that Christ, he probably would have had something very similar. Um, the good thief's, it's the whole thing. Um, and so you can see like what type of wood Christ would have been carrying um, as he walked as he walked towards his death. Yeah, it's interesting. The titulus is written um, in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin, as it tells us in the scriptures. But it's the tablet is written incorrectly. Um, in that it's written right to left, and if you were forging that, you wouldn't. You would write the Latin from left to right, right? Like you wouldn't get that wrong. But um, it's thought that it the person actually you know didn't know, or it was a Hebrew speaker that wrote it. Um, and so it's kind of a, a good indication to us that this isn't a forgery, because if you're forging it, you wouldn't make that mistake. Right. Yeah. There's also there's a kind of a, a fun story that. In one of the sacks of Rome, uh, this church was in danger. And so they took all the relics and I guess they just randomly had a statue of an angel that was hollowed out or something. I don't know. 
but they put them inside the statue and then kind of hid it in the attic. I, I don't know what the proper term in a church would be, but like the equivalent of an attic. And a lot of time went by, I think it was a couple hundred years, and they had left a like a little marking on the on the angel. It was, it was holding um, like a little, its own titulus. And one day the, the priest of the church was like, that's interesting. Why is this angel up here? Why is it holding this? And he opened it up and they kind of rediscovered the relics of the passion. So I like that story. I, I thought I had heard, and I could be wrong, um, you know, the, the sacristan, so he may have told you this. Um, I had heard that they had hid the titulus in one of the walls and there's a marking on the wall as you walk into the chapel and that that was where they had found the titulus, you know, centuries later, like in the 16th century. But I don't know if that's true or if that's a story that some tour guide made up because of the marking on the wall. It's, you know, the, you know, it's the same story. It's hard to tell. So oh, okay. that's what okay. the angel had. Oh, okay. And then they brought it okay. into that newer part of the church. And okay. it's on the wall. Okay. And it's kind of, it's behind plexiglass, but you can reach up and like touch it. So okay. you're kind of touching something that touched the relics. So, <laughs> yeah. Nice. So it's yeah. it's kind of the same story, but it okay. wasn't in that wall. They just moved it to that wall so that okay. people could see it. There's a lot of times where you hear stories and they get changed and it's hard to tell what's right. Yeah. Especially when you're dealing with like 2000 year old history. Exactly. Exactly. Some people like to embellish. The game of telephone. And, exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. So we mentioned this church is usually empty. Good Friday. It's usually packed. Um, that's when they bring out the relics. They process the cross through the church. And so instead of venerating a crucifix, you actually get to go up and venerate the true cross. Um, so I've gone there for that a few times. And it's a wonderful experience because it's a tiny church and it's just packed with Romans. They're flowing out into the piazza outside and you can see like they're visibly moved to be there for this. And it's just beautiful to see, especially when I, as much as I go to this church and always seeing it empty, it's nice to see it has life at least once a year. Yeah. Well, good. I, I don't have anything to add. Um, you know, Good Friday is... I think Holy Saturday is the strangest day of the year, but Good Friday's right up there. There's no mass. There is the liturgy. So if you go to your church, you can participate in the liturgy of Good Friday, which isn't a mass, but you do you can receive communion that was consecrated last night. So as I mentioned yesterday, Holy Thursday and Good Friday really are one celebration. And so hosts that are consecrated on Holy Thursday can be received then on Good Friday. But it is really a strange day. And I think it's a good reminder to us of the, the, the brokenness of the world, the emptiness. I mean, we killed God today. And I think you we don't want to shy away from that fact. We want to kind of lean into that and recognize that awful truth, um, knowing that he will redeem us tomorrow. A lot of silence. Yeah. That's kind of how Good <laughs> Friday feels day. though, right? Yeah. Yeah. So anything else, Mountain? No, I don't have anything else. So we will come tomorrow and we'll have one more. We're not going to go to the station church, but we'll come and we'll kind of do a recap of the stations. I think we are talking about this maybe for the second time with each other. So that's why. But right. well, it kind of feels gonna, like it feels like a weird day to say like, "Hey, thanks for listening, everybody." So we'll do yeah. that tomorrow. We'll come back. Yes, and we'll kind of so we'll do a back. little review of things we've learned, things we've seen, um, and share our own experiences from this past Lenten journey. Um, yeah, because yeah, there's just a lot of stuff, a lot of emotion today on Good Friday. Yes. Yeah. So so tomorrow we'll do a station church roundup yeah. for Holy Saturday. Very good. So, well, thank you, listeners. Enjoy. It's weird to say enjoy Good Friday, I think. Um, but, you know, try to enter into this time. 
Have a prayerful Good Friday, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Perfect. Ciao, everyone. Ciao, ciao.